You're listening to Clyde's favorite old-time radio, a podcast of the various genres of old-time radio, science fiction, comedy, mystery, horror, and historical broadcasts. Hello, this is Clyde J.K.L. with a brief reminder. Mystery Play Internet Radio is listener-supported, so I encourage your monetary support with a donation today. Please visit www.mpir-otr.com and click on the donations page. A one-time donation of any amount will be greatly appreciated. Again, that's www.mpir-otr.com. And thank you for listening to Mystery Play Internet Radio. The National Broadcasting Company presents the first of a series of eight radio dramas by George H. Faulkner entitled American Portraits. Tonight's star, Dennis King. Washington, Jefferson, Franklin, Adams. To most of us, these hallowed names represent dim, shadowy figures, barely human, usually posed in patriotic attitudes, stiff with the textbook boredom of countless dusty schoolrooms. It is the aim of this new series of dramatic portraits to blow away some of the dust of years, to show you a few of these distinguished men, not only in their greatness, but also in their common humanity as they must have appeared to their friends and neighbors. The problems that confronted these men in the past were not, in essence, different from those we face today. Perhaps in the example of their action, we can find inspiration to meet our own difficulties with wisdom. Today in Korea, two groups of men have gathered to discuss a hope of peace, a hope we share with all the world. 175 years ago, a similar meeting took place. The principal actor then is the subject of our play now. May we present Dennis King as the incomparable doctor, Benjamin Franklin. I remember it was September the 9th in the year 1776. I had arisen according to my wont at five of the clock. Having sent up a prayer to the supreme goodness, I attended as best I could to several items of correspondence and then bent my attention to an experiment concerning ants, which I had begun the previous evening. To my great satisfaction, the experiment proved successful, but unfortunately I, I fumbled the apparatus at a critical moment and, uh... Dear, 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 that will do it, I'm afraid. Sure enough, here she comes. That did it. Father, what was that noise? Oh, look at the floor. 
What is it, Father? Molasses, Sarah, just molasses and a few harmless ants. Hymenoptera, the common house ant. A few ants? Why, there are thousands of them all over the best carpet. What were you doing? An experiment, my dear. Oh, another experiment. Yes, you see, I had formed the opinion that ants possess some manner of communication one with the other. There's some form of speech, you understand, and... Uh... Talking ants, what nonsense. Oh, but it's not nonsense, daughter. I have proved that ants do converse or perhaps signal to each other. Unfortunately, however, I, I dropped the molasses pot and it was full of ants. And so my best carpet is ruined. And if ants can talk, well, well... Well, like your own sweet, beloved mother, who once thought it extremely undignified of me as a grown man to go around flying kites in the rain. No woman was ever a philosopher, and thank heaven for that. Now what? There's someone at the door. With a fife and drum? No, of course not. That's the children in the kitchen. Well, we're beset apparently front and rear. Uh, would you see to our visitor while I prepare to repel the invaders? There, there, never mind the molasses. Step over it. Oh, dear. Sometimes I wish there were... I were three people at least. Company, halt! Benjamin, Willie, ten Now, what can I do for you? Oh, have you seen any redcoats, Grandfather? We're scouting for lobster bats. Bang, bang! There. Don't mind him, sir. Willie, you can't shoot, Grandfather. Oh, I don't know. I might just as well be dead as feeling the way I do this morning. So you're playing soldiers? Yes, sir. Bang, bang! Not now, Willie. Boys, soldiers, fellow Continentals, how, how would you like to, to earn a shilling apiece? Oh, fine, sir. How? Father? Uh, uh, just a minute, boys. Uh, yes, Sarah? Uh, Mr. Goodhue to see you, Father. By appointment, he says. Good you? Good you? I don't remember him, but then I don't seem to remember much of anything this morning. All right, show him in, show him in. Right this way, Mr. Goodhue. Bang, bang! He's dead! Uh, uh, Mr. Goodhue? Yes, sir. Will uh, kindly ignore these irregular troops and have a chair. Uh, uh, watch out for the molasses on the floor. Uh, molasses, Doctor? Oh, yes, we often have molasses on the floor. It's good for the carpet. Now, now boys. Uh, yes, sir. Here's a shilling apiece for you to put in your banks, understand? Yes, sir. Now, what do you say you go hunt for redcoats outside in Market Street? Yes, sir. Come along, Willie. Bang, 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 bang. They're all there. And now, Mr. Goodhue, now that we've dispersed the rebels, what can I do for you? I wrote to you some days ago, Doctor, from New York, uh, on the advice of Mr. James Parker, sir. Parker. Goodhue. Ah, yes, now I remember. You're, you're the gentleman who wished to establish a printing house in the Barbados, and you asked for a loan of 50 pounds. I've scrimped and saved, Doctor, for 15 years, and now... And now this is your great opportunity, eh? Well, sir, you shall have your chance. After reading your letter, Anne Park, as I had already decided. Oh, Doctor, I, I don't know how to... No, no, don't try to thank me, Mr. Goodhue. Here. Here, here. Here's the money. I shall pay back every cent, Doctor, within a year at the most. Uh, my Your prospects are excellent, else I would not have handed you 50 pounds. But I, I, I don't want you to pay me back. You, you don't want to be paid? No. A year from now, when you have discharged your other debt, as I'm sure you will do, look about you for an honest man in need. Lend him my 50 pounds, sir, enjoining him to discharge the debt by a like operation when he shall be able... 
Thus my loan may go through many hands before it meets with a knave to stop its progress. Oh, marvelous idea, Doctor. Oh, no, 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 no. Just a shabby trick of mine for doing a deal of good with a little money. I am not rich enough to afford much in good work, so I am obliged to be cunning and make the most of a little. Father? Yes, Sarah? There's a carriage at the curb. For you, the driver said, you didn't tell me... Uh, Mr. Good, you, you'll excuse me, sir. I, I, I must be off, but... Oh, wait just a moment. In your letter, I believe you said you had been apprenticed for a time in the shop of a chemist before becoming a printer. Why, yes, sir. In Boston, uh, Splendid, I... splendid. Then perhaps you, you know some substance, some chemical capable of removing molasses stains from fine carpet? I, I'm sure you do. Sarah, Mr. Goodyear here will help you with your problem. Goodbye, my dear. But, Father, you haven't told me where you're going. Through the British lines, my dear, to Staten Island, to the headquarters of Lord Richard Howe, who, with his brother, commands all of his majesty's forces in America, to see Black Dick himself. But, Father, you're ill. You, you mustn't undertake another journey. You know you're not supposed to travel yet. The doctor I'm said... I'm tired, old man, it's true, but when I return from this mission, if I do return, I may have peace in my pocket. That'd be worth a few aches and pains, my child. Yes, yes, I suppose it would, but... Now, take good care of Benjamin and Willie, Sarah. Oh, and Mr. Goodhue. Yes, Doctor? If you succeed in removing the molasses stain, write me and tell me how you did it. I, I, I may be old and tired, but I am still curious. Good fortune in the Barbados. Good fortune to you, sir. May God go with him. Oh, the poor man. Mrs. Bates, ma'am, your father is the richest man in all the colonies, perhaps in all the world. He has wisdom and courage and love. And so we rode north from Philadelphia to New Brunswick through a long, rainy September day. My companion was young Edward Rutledge of South Carolina, at 27, a member of the Continental Congress. Three commissioners had been appointed by the Congress to meet with Lord Howe. Rutledge, myself, and that pompous, stubborn, and able Bostonian John Adams. The better to mortify his flesh, of which he possessed a considerable quantity, Adams had chosen to travel by horseback. At a crowded tavern in New Brunswick, we met for supper. Dr. Franklin, sir, I beg you to remonstrate with the woman who manages this this hovel. Perhaps you can persuade her that we can't. Oh, I've tried, Adams, I've tried. There's only one room and we must share it or sit all night. And I warn you, I, I snore most dreadfully. May I suggest, Doctor, that you sum up for us your own view of the situation we face tomorrow? Gladly, Mr. Rutley. There's more than one view possible. The whole thing is a humbug, a trap. A device to place the blame for war on the Congress. Now, that may be true, Adams. But let us examine the lines of the trap, if trap it be, so that we may better avoid its jaws. Now, here is the problem as I see it. One, General Washington is badly beaten on Long Island, and General Sullivan is captured. Two, General Sullivan is returned to us in Philadelphia, hale and hearty, with a message from Howe, suggesting a conference on peace terms. Sullivan is a vanity-ridden windbag. Would that the first bullet fired on Long Island had passed through his head. <laughs> my, my, Adams, you are fatigued. Well, point three. Sullivan tells Congress that Howe holds the power to make peace, 
that he has new powers. Which powers Sullivan described to the Congress in the vaguest and most confused of terms. Because those powers do not in fact exist. Sullivan has let himself be used as a decoy duck. Oh, that's possible, yes, but we cannot afford to assume that it is true. Your advice then, Doctor? Let us proceed on the morrow with an open mind, but with the greatest care. Lord Howe is a man of honor. I, I knew him in London, and I knew, know him sincerely. He desire, desires a peaceful settlement. Do you want peace, sir? Do you want to see all our work undone? There never was a good war, Adams, or a bad peace. But it takes two to end a quarrel, and I, I share your doubts concerning the good intent of Lord Howe's masters in London. In London, I happen to know, the King's ministers have a list of those among us who can hope for no pardon under any form of settlement. Those of us who will hang... My name heads that list. Oh, no doubt the list includes my own name, sir, down among the Fs. Can we not approach Lord Howe in, in one mind, an open one? You were chosen to lead this mission, Doctor. I shall follow your lead, unless and until your words run counter to my own convictions. And now, with your permission, I shall retire. Good night to you. And I, sir, must be Good off night. to my own lodgings. Sir, you were fortunate in finding friends in New Brunswick, Mr. Rutledge. I shall have only the company of Adams all night, and I think I'll postpone that pleasure by writing a few letters. It's after midnight, Doctor. We must be off again at dawn. Well, old men need little sleep, son. Good night to you. Good night, Dr. Frank. Good night, good night. Now, let's see. My dear Linnaeus, in regard to your theory concerning communication among ants, I am sending to Sweden with your friend Peter Kahn a description of... Uh... Beg pardon, sir. Yes, madam. You, you're Dr. Franklin, the great Dr. Franklin. I'm Benjamin Franklin, yes. My name is Wilkins, Mary Wilkins. I, I've been running the tavern here as best I could since my husband... Well, since he... Your husband is with the army? He was killed, Dr. Franklin, on Long Island... Dear woman, I am sorry. It isn't true, is it? It can't be true what the soldiers are saying. And what are that they? That Congress is making peace with the British. That the politicians are selling out the army. That you are going to how to surrender. That John, that my husband gave his life for nothing. Nothing, nothing. No, 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 no. There, Mrs. Wilkins, don't weep, now, don't weep. But is it true? Is it true? No, ma'am, it is not true. We are going to meet with Lord Howe, yes. But I give you my word, Mrs. Wilkins that we shall do nothing in our negotiations to dishonor the sacrifice made by your husband. I... I believe you, Doctor. Well, most people do, ma'am, since I always tell the truth. And now I think I'll change my mind and retire. Would you kindly show me to my room, ma'am? Right this way, Doctor. I'm sorry it's so small and only one window. Mr. Adams complained most bitterly. It's very like Mr. Adams. Here we are. Good night, Dr. Franklin. Good night, ma'am. Good night. And uh, remember my word. Oh, Lord, just small indeed. No chimney, one window, and the window closed, of course. Well, we'll, we'll see to that. That's better. Uh, I say, who's there? Franklin, you're not opening the window. Of course. 
I'm opening the window, my dear Adam. Oh, the night air, Doctor, will catch our death of cold. Well, I sir, already have a cold. Now, if I leave that window down, you'll have one too in the morning. Colds are caused not by night air, as silly old wives believe, but by the absence of air in confined quarters, by the effluvium of the lungs, sir. Breathe out into closed spaces, and I, c- I can give you positive proof. Well, sir, do you wish to learn about my investigation into the cause of the common cold? Hmm. Asleep again. Ah, younger men today, uh, they have no stamina, no, no curiosity. <sighs> I, uh, I wonder if Sarah ever got the molasses off the floor. From New Brunswick in the grey and drizzling dawn, we were jolted along to Perth Amboy and then took barge to Staten Island. There we were received with polite ceremony and every convenience, including a company of very large Hessian grenadiers drawn up at attention at our honour. Lord Howe met us on the beach in cordial fashion, led us to his headquarters where we were served bread, tongue and cold ham with a most excellent claret. Even Adams forbore to frown at the wine, but his customary expression returned as Lord Howe began. Uh, and now, gentlemen, to the matter of our meeting. Dr. Franklin, you in particular should be sensible of my personal desire for the ends of peace. I shall always be grateful for the help you and your charming sister afforded me in London towards those ends. Nevertheless, sir, you have conveyed an army hither to make war upon our people. Dr. I lingered two months in London in order to obtain from His Majesty the power to make peace rather than war. And I succeeded in that endeavor. But whilst I strove for peace, your Congress has declared independency. It must be understood that I cannot treat with you officially as representatives of a rebel confederation. What did I tell you, Franklin? The whole affair's a useless waste. Uh, uh, Mr. Adams refuses to believe that you have any real news to give us, my lad. He denies that you have authority to treat on any new basis, whatever. That authority I do have, Doctor, as I told your General Sullivan. But my writ does not run to the granting of status to a rebel Congress. Come, come, gentlemen, tis a small matter. A thing of form, not of substance. I am compelled to protect myself. I must treat with you simply as three gentlemen of ability and influence, as... As private gentlemen. Stuff and nonsense. I was sure Now, Mr. Adams, an open mind. Well, perhaps a compromise in etiquette can be arranged. Let Lord Howe look upon us in any view he finds convenient. We, in turn, shall be at liberty to consider ourselves in our real character. Thus we may converse as friends in, in a political vacuum, so to speak. Very well. Does Mr. Adams object to, uh... Vacuums? I know nothing of such... such nothings. You may consider me a private gentleman, my lord, if you wish, or in any other character, except that of a British subject. And so it went back and forth for three endless hours. During every second of those hours, I searched for that impossible... Final, last, dear hope of peace. Peace with independence and honor. And so did Lord Howe after his fashion. You see, 
It was not simple, this revolution you read about. It wasn't a case of red-coated villains against saintly heroes in continental buff and blue. It was a complex and mixed-up affair, like your own life and your own time. Your life and your time were in the balance then, in that farmhouse on Staten Island, when young Rutledge said... May I remind your lordship that we've just begun to answer force with force? At the expense of three million pounds, Britain managed to kill 150 Yankees in the Massachusetts campaign. That's 20,000 pounds a head. Any move against South Carolina, sir, will prove considerably more expensive. I understood we were to talk as friends, gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Rutledge has escaped from the vacuum. <laughs> Our southern colonies are noted for an um, explosive native temperament. Mr. Rutledge was speaking as an honest friend. I was indeed, Lord Howe, with all my heart. And in all honest, friendly fellow feeling, may I urge upon your lordship the advantages Britain might obtain from an alliance with these independent states? Allied as co-equal partners, my lord, we might lead the world and bring peace and plenty to every corner of the globe. As subjects, sir, we have cost you money and blood. And that cost will mount and mount and mount as long as you try to keep us in subjection. As friends and equals... There'd be no limit to the prosperity and the dignity we might mutually achieve. If you will but recognize our independency, sir. Independency? That, I'm afraid, is the heart of our dispute. Is there no way of treading back this, this rash step of rebellion, gentlemen, and so opening the door to a full discussion of the new terms I bring? Your new terms do not then encompass the possibility of independence or even the possibility of a discussion upon the subject? No, Doctor, they do not. Ah, then I fear we three have traveled a long, weary road to no purpose. The step of independency, as you call it, was the inevitable result of many earlier steps. We were forced down every inch of that path. We were forced by fire and the sword toward the end. Now, sir, our American independence and our American honor are one. Uh, may I quote? These colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states. And now, my lord, we shall take our leave with your permission. If you must, Doctor. If you must. And about time. Come along, Rutledge. Dr. Franklin. Stay but a moment, Doctor. You... You understand, do you not? You understand. Uh, that you are a man of goodwill. I, I do so believe, Lord Howe. At 70, I understand too many things. I wanted peace, Doctor, with all my heart. But could I betray my king? And I wanted peace, my lord, with all my heart, with all my will, with all my mind. But could I betray my country? We are victims, sir, victims of history and heartless time. One day, perhaps, many, many long centuries hence, this world will be ruled by men of reason and fortitude and human-heartedness. But now, now, alas, the children rule with their little toy drums and their deadly little bullets and their cherished falsehoods. And so, my dear good friend, henceforth you are my enemy and I am yours. May God bless you and destroy your armies.
Dr. Franklin, sir, can you tell me? Can you tell me what happened with Lord Howe? Nothing happened, Mary. Nothing has changed. The war will go on. Does that make you happy? I... I don't know. Do you know, sir? No, no, no. I, 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 I don't know, my dear. I, I don't believe anyone really knows. And I could say to young Rutledge at supper back in New Brunswick when he too made inquiry. Doctor, I've listened to you today with the deepest admiration. I'm young, sir, and, well, I can see I need your, your guidance. Do you move in these matters according to, to some general rule? By many rules, according to circumstance, but by one axiom that always prevails. It's an old-fashioned one, I'm afraid. It reads, honesty is the best policy. But, sir, that's all very well in dealing with gentlemen and officers such as Lord Howe. My career, I expect, will be cast among lawyers and politicians. Well, in dealing with politicians, son, I still take pains to speak the exact truth. That is my only cunning. And the politicians are so corrupt that I always fool them by this means. <laughs> if the rascals knew the advantages of virtue, they would become honest men out of sheer rascality. And again, back in the little stuffy room with John Adams, the window being open this time, for even an Adams can learn. Oh... <clears throat> I, I must admit, Franklin, you surprised me. I, I had thought last night that you intended to yield. You know, I could feel the rope around my neck. Ponder not too often upon that noose, my friend. With the help of God and General Washington, we'll yet escape His Majesty's gallows. Hmm? With the help of God? Huh? You surprise me, Doctor. I didn't know you were a religious man. I, I, I conceal the fact as best I can. But tonight, after the event we have witnessed, well, John, would you, would you join me in a prayer? It's one I compose myself, a, a manner of litany, and I try to offer it up at least once a day. Oh, I, I, I must say, Doctor, I, I'm fairly tired out for oh, praying. All you but... need to do is to join in the responses. My, my prayer goes like this that I may be preserved from atheism and infidelity, impiety and profaneness, and in my addresses to thee, carefully avoid irreverence and ostentation, formality and odious hypocrisy. Help me, O Father. Help me, O Father. That I may be sincere in friendship, faithful in trust and impartial in judgment, watchful against pride and against anger, that momentary madness, well, John? Uh, uh, help me, O oh Father. That I may be honest and open-hearted, gentle, merciful and good, cheerful in spirit, rejoicing in the good of others, rejoicing in the good of others, asleep again. Ah, well, it takes only one to make a prayer. And for as much as ingratitude is one of the most odious of vices... Let me be not unmindful, gratefully to acknowledge the favors I receive from heaven. For peace and liberty, for food and raiment, for corn and wine and milk and every kind of healthful nourishment, good God, I thank thee. For the common benefits of air and light, 
for useful fire and delicious water. Good God, I thank thee for all thy innumerable benefits, for life and reason and the use of speech, for health and joy and every pleasant hour. My good God, I thank thee. Amen. And so, to bed. been listening to The Incomparable Doctor with Dennis King as Benjamin Franklin. Other members of the cast were Martin Blaine, Brooke Byron, Ivan Curry, Gavin Gordon, Vinton Hayworth, Alan Hewitt, David Pfeffer, and Ethel Wilson. The orchestra is conducted by Milton Katims with a special score composed by Alan Shulman utilizing thematic material from a string quartet composed by Benjamin Franklin himself. This is Ben Grauer inviting you to listen to American Portraits next week when we will again present Dennis King, this time as Thomas Jefferson, in the second of a series of eight dramatic character studies of great Americans produced and directed by D. Engelbach and written by George H. Faulkner. Tonight's script was presented through the courtesy and cooperation of the editors of Cavalcade of America, which is heard regularly on Tuesday nights and which will resume its fall broadcasting season on September 4th. Now hear Brian Donlevy and his dangerous assignment on NBC. NBC.